Hashem reigns, Hashem has reigned, Hashem will reign forever and ever. Hashem will give strength unto His people. Hashem will bless His people with peace. And Kamoka Valahim Adonai, Ke'en Kemasecha, Machu Makolamim, Umishatecha Bechador Vador, Adonai Melech, Adonai Malak, Adonai Lok, Le'alam Va'et, Adonai Zomoyitain, Adonai Varek et When the ark would travel, when the ark would travel, Moshe would say, Arise, Hashem, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them that hate you flee from you. For from Zion will go forth the Torah and the word of Hashem from Yushalayim. Blessed is he who gave the Torah to his people. That's right. Yeah. Veyanusu misanecha mipanecha ki mitzion tetze Torah ki mitzion tetze Torah Levar Adonai Merushalayim Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Baruch Shenatan Torah Torah Leyamo Israel Big Dushato. Andy, can you? King David wrote, The Torah of Hashem is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of Hashem is sure, making wise is simple. The statutes of Hashem are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of Hashem is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of Hashem is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of Hashem are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Yeshua said, don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah of the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to complete. Yes, indeed, I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, not so much as a yud or a stroke will pass from the Torah, not until everything that must happen has happened. So whoever disobeys the least of these mitzvot and teaches others to do so will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys them and so teaches will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness is far greater than that of the Torah teachers in the Purushim, you'll certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. The prophets declared, bind up the testimony and seal the Torah among my disciples. To the Torah and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. This is what Hashem says, stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it, and you shall find rest for your souls.
And this is the Torah that Moshe placed before the children of Israel at the command of Hashem through the hand of Moshe. Readers. Ta'amud ma'in ba'avraham la Torah. It's stand for just the reading. You mean just the first one? Just the first reading here. Moshe then convoked the whole Israelite community and said to them, these are the things that Hashem has commanded you to do. On, on six days work may be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to Hashem. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kinder no, no fire throughout your settlements on the Sabbath day. 
Moshe said further to the whole community of Israelites, this is what Hashem has commanded. Take from among you gifts to Hashem. Everyone whose heart is so moved shall bring them gifts for Hashem, gold, silver, and copper, blue, purple, and crimson yarns, fine linens and goat's hair, tanned ram skins, dolphin skins, and acacia wood, oil for lighting, spices for the anointing oil, and for the aromatics, incense, lapis lazuli, and other stones for setting, for the ephod and the breastpiece. And let all among you who are skilled come and make all that Hashem has commanded, the tabernacle, its tent and its covering, its clasps and its planks, its bars, its posts, its sockets, the ark and its poles, the cover and the curtain for the screen, the table and its poles and all its utensils and the bread of display, the lampstand for lighting, its furnishings and its lamps, and the oil for lighting, the altar of incense and its poles, the anointing oil and the aromatic incense, and the entrance screen for the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar burnt offering, its copper gratings, its poles, and all of its furnishings, the laver and its stand, the hangings of the enclosure, its posts and its sockets, and the screen for the gate of the court, the pegs for the tabernacle, the pegs for the enclosure and their cords, the service vestments for officiating in the sanctuary, the sacral vestments of Aaron, the priest, and the vestments of his sons for priestly service. So the whole community of the Israelites left Moshe's presence. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's where it stopped. All right, you're going to be reading from the class, right? Okay. <clears throat> that's just a double portion. Twenty. Yeah. Just Sorry finished, about that. Finish the chapter. Every man whose heart uplifted him came, and everyone whose spirit inspirited him to generosity brought the offering of the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the holy garments. The men came with the women. Every generous hearted person brought bracelets and earrings and rings and buckles, all kinds of golden objects and every man who waved a waving of gold to the Lord, and every man with whom was found blue, purple, or crimson wool, linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, or tachish skins brought them. Everyone who set aside an offering for, of silver, of copper, brought the offering for the Lord, and everyone with whom a kaya wood was found for any work of the service, was, they brought it. And every wise-hearted woman spun with their hands, and they brought spun material, blue, purple, and crimson wool and linen. And all the women whose hearts uplifted them with wisdom spun the goat hair. And the princes brought the shoham stones and filling stones for the ephod and for the hosen, and the spice and the oil for lighting and for the anointing oil and for the incense. Every man and woman whose heart inspired them to generosity to bring for all the work that the Lord had commanded to make through Moshe 
the children of Israel brought a gift for the Lord. Right. Yes. Yamod Ezra ben Abraham la Torah. Arhuida donai hame boram. Barukana varaklelam bae. Barua dona hambora leulam baed, baruata donai, loheinu meleja ulam, asher baharbano miko hamim, benatalano etorato, baruata donai, no te natura. Bayomer Moshe el bene israel le et kara adonai beshem be sele betzalel ben ur ben ben ori ben ur lema le mate Yehuda. Okay. donai Eloheinu melech haolam asher natan lanu Torah emet pehayeula natan betoheinu baru ata adona baru ata donai no te natura. Moshe said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the son uh, of the tribe of Judah. He was imbued, he has imbued him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with insight, and with knowledge, and with talent for all manner of craftsmanship to do work weaving, to work with gold, silver, and copper with the craft of stones for setting and with the craft of wood to work with every manner of thoughtful work. And he put into his heart the ability to teach both him and Ohiliab, the son of Amistash and the tribe of, Dan, of the tribe of Dan. He imbued them with wisdom of the heart to do all sorts of work of a craftsman and a master worker and an embroiderer with blue, purple, and crimson wool and linen and of weavers, those who do every manner of work, and master weavers, Bazalel and Ohiliab, and every wise-hearted man unto whom God had imbued wisdom and insight to know how to do, shall do all the work of the service of the holy according to all that the Lord has commanded. And Moshe called Bezalel and Ohiliab, and every wise-hearted man into whose heart the Lord had given wisdom, everyone whose heart lifted him up to approach the work to do it. So they took from before Moshe all the offerings that the children of Israel had brought for all the work of the service of the holy, and they brought him more gifts every morning. Then all the wise men who were doing the work of the holy came, each one from his work, 
which they had been doing. And they spoke to Moshe saying, the people are bringing very much more than is enough for the labor of the articles which the Lord had commanded to do. So Moshe commanded and they announced in the camp saying, let no man or woman do any more work for the offering for the holy. So the people stopped bringing and the work was sufficient for them to do all the work, to do it and to leave over. Then all the wise-hearted people of the performers of the work made the Mishkan out of 10 curtains consisting of twisted fine linen and blue, purple, and crimson wool. A cherubim designed the work of a master weaver, he had made them. The length of one curtain was 28 cubits, and the width of one curtain was four cubits, the same measure for all the curtains. And he joined five of those curtains to one another, and the other five curtains he also joined to one another. And he made loops of blue wool on the edge of one curtain, that is at the edge of the first set, and he did the same on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. He made 50 loops of the edge of one curtain, and he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set, the loops corresponding to one another. And he made 50 golden clasps, and he fastened the curtains to one another and the clasps, so the Mishkan became one. And then he made curtains of goat hair for a tent over the Mishkan. He made them 11 curtains. The length of one curtain was 30 cubits, and the width of one curtain was four cubits, the same measure for the 11 curtains. And he joined the five curtains by themselves and the other six curtains by themselves. And he made 50 loops on the edge of the outermost curtain of the first set. And he made 50 loops on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. And he made 50 copper clasps to fasten the tent together so that it became one. And he made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of takish skins above. And he made the planks for the Mishkan of acacia wood upright. Ten cubits was the length of each plank, and a cubit and a half was the width of each plank. Each plank had two square pegs, rung like, each, one, each even with each other. So did the make for all the planks of the Mishkan. And he made the planks for the Mishkan, twenty planks for the southern side. And he made 40 silver sockets unto the 20 planks, two sockets under one plank for its two square pegs, and two sockets under one plank for its two square pegs. And for the second side of the Mishkan on the northern side, he made 20 planks. And there 40 silver sockets, two sockets under one plank, and two sockets under one plank. And for the western end of the Mishkan, he made six planks. And he made two planks at the corner of the Mishkan at the end, and they were matched evenly from below and together they matched at its top to be put into the one ring. So he, so did he make for both of them for the two corners. And there were eight planks and their silver sockets, 16 sockets, two sockets under the plank, and two sockets under one plank. And he made bars of acacia wood, five for the planks on one side of the Mishkan, and five bars for the planks of the second side of the Mishkan, and five bars for the planks of the rear side of the Mishkan on the western end. And he made the middle bar to penetrate in the midst of the planks from one end to the other end. And he overlaid the planks with gold and their rings he made of gold as holders for the bars. And he overlaid the bars with gold. And he made the dividing curtain of blue, purple, and crimson wool and twisted fine linen. The work of a master weaver he made it in a woven cherubim design. And he made for it four pillars of acacia wood and he overlaid them with gold. Their hooks were gold and he cast them for silver sockets. And he made and 
a screen for the entrance of the tent of blue purple and crimson wool and twisted fine linen the work of an embroiderer and its pillars and their hooks and he overlaid their tops and their bands with gold and their five sockets were copper Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood two and a half cubits long a cubit and a half wide and a cubit and a half high and he overlaid it with pure gold from inside from outside he made for it a gold crown all around and he cast four golden rings for its for upon its four corners two rings on its one side and two rings on its other side and he made poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold and he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark and he made an ark cover of pure gold two and a half cubits long and a cubit and a half wide he made and he made two golden cherubim he made them of hammered work for the two ends of the ark cover one cherub from the one end and the other cherub from the other end for from the ark cover he made the cherubim from its two ends the cherubim had their wings spread upwards shielded with the ark cover with their wings with their faces toward the other turned toward the ark cover where the faces of the cherubim and he made a table of acacia wood two cubits long one cubit wide and a cubit and a half high he overlaid it with pure gold and he made for it a golden crown all around and he made for it a frame a hand breadth wide all around and he made a golden crown for its frame all around and he cast it four golden rings and he placed the rings on the four corners that are on its four legs the rings were opposite the frame as holders for the poles with which to carry the table and he made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold to carry the table and he made the implements that are on the table its forms its spoons its half pipes and its supports with which it will be covered of pure gold Shall 
השני שלושה גביעים משוקדים בקנה And he made the menorah of of pure gold. Of hammered work, he made the menorah. Its base and its stem, its goblets, its knobs, and its flowers were all in one piece with it. And six branches coming out of its sides, three menorah branches from its one side and three menorah branches from its second side, three decorated goblets on one branch, a knob and a flower, and three decorated goblets on one branch, a knob and a flower. So for the six branches that come out of the menorah. And on the stem of the menorah were four decorated goblets, its knobs and its flowers, and a knob under the two branches from it, and a knob under the two branches from it, and a knob under the two branches from it. So for the six branches that come out of it, their knobs and their branches were all one piece with it. All of it was hammered, was one hammered mass of pure gold. And he made its lamps seven and its tongs and its scoops of pure gold. And he made it of a talent of pure gold and all its implements. And he made the incense altar out of acacia wood, one cubit long and one cubit wide square and two cubits high. Its horns were one piece with it. And he overlaid it with pure gold on its top, its walls all around, and its horns. And he made for it a gold crown all around. And he made two golden rings for it underneath its crown, on its corners, on its two corners, and its two sides, as holders for poles with which to carry it. He made the poles out of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. And he made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense after the art of a pure perfumer. Yamut Zaha bin Noah, la Torah. Bin Noah? Sure. Yamut Zaha bin Abraham, la Torah. Shalom. 
Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Baruch Adonai Barak. Baruch Adonai Barak Le'olam Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melaka Olam Asher Bukhar Manu Makol Hamim Benatan Lunu Etorato Baruch Adonai Baruch Shema Note Natura Amen. <laughs> and he made the altar for burnt offerings of acacia wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. The altar was square and it was three cubits high. And he made its horns on its four corners. Its horns were all one piece from it and he overlaid it with copper. He made all the implements of the altar, the pots and the shovels and the sprinkling basins and the flesh hooks and the fire pans. He made all its implements of copper. He made for the altar a copper grating of netting work beneath its ledge from below until its middle. And he cast four rings on the four ends of the copper grating holders for the poles. And he made the poles of acacia wood and he overlaid them with copper. And he inserted the poles into the rings on the sides of the altar with which to carry the, he made it with hollow, hollow out of boards. And he made the washstand of copper and its base of copper from the mirrors of the women who had set up the legions who congregated at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he made the courtyard of the southern side. There were hangings for the courtyard, a Twisted fine linen, 100 cubits. And their pillars were 20, and their sockets 20 of copper, the hooks of the pillars and the brands of silver. And for the northern end, 100 cubits, their pillars 20, and their sockets 20 of copper, the hooks of the pillars and their bands of silver. And for the western side, hanging 50 cubits, their pillars 10, and their sockets 10, and the hooks of the pillars and the bands of silver. And for the eastern end, 50 cubits. The hangings of the shoulder were 15 cubits. The pillars three and the sockets three. On the second shoulder, on either side of the gate of the courtyard, there were hangings of 15 cubits. Their pillars three and their sockets three. All the hangings of the courtyard all around were of twisted fine linen. And the sockets of the pillars were copper. The hooks of the pillars and their bands were silver. And the overlay of the tops were silver. And they were banded with silver, all the pillars of the courtyard. And the screen of the gate of the courtyard was the work of an embroider made of blue, purple, and crimson wool, and twisted fine linen, 20 cubits long. And its height and width was five cubits corresponding to the hangings of the courtyard. And their pillars, four, and their sockets, four, of copper, their hooks, silver, and the overlays of the tops and the bands were silver. And all the pegs of the Mishkan and of the courtyard all around were copper. These are the testimonies of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of the testimony, which were counted at Moses Moshe's command. 
the work of the Levites under the direction of Ithamar, the son of Aaron, the Kohen. Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Yehuda, had made all that Hashem had commanded Moshe. With him, Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman, a master weaver, and embroiderer in blue, purple, and crimson wool and linen. All the work that had been used to the work in all the work of, of uh, the Kadosh, the gold of the waving was 29 talents, 730 shekels, according to the Kadosh shekel. The silver of the community numbers was 100 talents and 1,775 shekels, according to the Kadosh shekel. One becca per head, half a shekel according to the holy shekel, for each one who goes through the counting for 20 years old and upward, for 600,550. 100 talents of silver was used for casting the sockets of the Kadosh and the sockets of the dividing curtain. One 100 sockets out of 100 talents, one talent for each socket. And out of 1,775, he made hooks for the pillars, and he covered their tops and branded them and banded them. The copper of the waving was 70 talents and 2,400 shekel. From, the, from that, he made the sockets of the entrance of the tent of meeting and the copper altar, the copper grating upon it, and all the implements of the altar. And the sockets of the courtyard all around and the sockets of the gate to the courtyard, all the pegs of the Mishkan, and all the pegs of the courtyard all around. And out of the blue, purple, and crimson wool, they made the meshwork garments to serve in the, in the Kadosh. And they made her own holy garments as Hashem had commanded Moshe. Mm-hmm. Shabbat Shalom, can you guys hear me? Yes, Shabbat Shalom. Baruch Hu'et Arunai Hamborach. Baruch Arunai Hamborach Le'olam Ba'ed. Baruch Arunai Hamborach Le'olam Ba'ed. Baruch Arunai Eloheinu Melech Olam. Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Hamim. Benatam Lanu Et Torato. Baruch Ata Adonai. Baruch Shemot. No tain hatorah. No, amen. Amen. Vayahas ha'efod sahav techelet be'argaman v'tola'at shene v'sheish me'mashzar Vayar 
טילים לעשות בתוך התכלת ובתוך הארגמן ובתוך תולעת השני ובתוך השש מעשי זכושב כתפות עשו לו חוברות על שני קצותיו זוטר, קצותיו חובר. ברוך אתר אולי אלוהינו מלך העולם אשר נתן לנו תורת אמת בחיי עולם נתן בתוכנו ברוך אתה אדוני ברוך שמו נותן התורה אמן They hammered out the sheets of gold and cut threads from them to work the gold into the blue wool, into the purple wool, into the crimson wool, and into the fine linen, a work of a master weaver. They made connecting shoulder straps for it at both its ends. It was com- entirely connected. And its decorative band, which is above it, emanated from it of the same work, gold, blue, purple, and crimson wool, and twisted fine linen as the Lord had commanded Moshe. And they prepared the Shoham stones enclosed in gold settings engraved similar to the engravings of a seal with the names of the sons of Israel. And he put them upon the shoulder straps of the ephod as stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel as the Lord had commanded Moshe. He made the, the Hosen the work of a master weaver like the work of the ephod of gold, blue, purple, and crimson wool and twisted fine linen. It was square, and they made the question doubled its length, one span and its width one span doubled. And they filled into it four rows of stones, one row, Odim, Pitda, and Baraketh, and the one row. The second row, Nofech, Safir, and Yahalom. And the third row, Leshev, Shevo, and Aklama. And the fourth row, Tarshish, Shoham, and Yahashpeh, enclosed in gold settings in their fillings. And the stones were for the names of the sons of Israel 12, corresponding to their names, similar to the engravings of a seal, everyone according to his name, for the 12 tribes. For the Hosen, they made chains at the edges of cable work of pure gold. They made two gold settings and two golden rings, and they placed the two rings on the two ends of the Hosen, and they placed the two gold and they placed the two golden cables on the two rings at the ends of the Hosen. And the two ends of the two cables they placed upon the two settings, and they placed them upon the shoulder straps of the ephod and its front parts. And they made two golden rings and placed them on the two ends of the Hosen on its edge that faced the inner side of the ephod. <clears throat> and they made two golden rings and placed them on the two shoulder straps of the ephod from below toward its front adjacent to its seam above the band of the ephod. And they fastened the Hosen by its rings to the rings of the ephod with a cord of blue wool so that it could be upon the band of the ephod 
so that the Chosen would not move off the ephod as the Lord had commanded Moshe. Mm. Right. Um. <clears throat> Baruch Adonai Hamborah, Baruch Adonai Baruch Adonai Baruch Adonai Baruch he made the robe for the ephod, weaving it completely out of sky blue wool. The robe's opening was in the middle, like the opening of a coat of mail, with a border all around so that it not be left open. On the skirt of the robe, they made pomegranates out of twined sky blue, red, and crimson wool. They made pure gold bells and placed the bells between the pomegranates. The bells were thus all around on the bottom of the robe between the pomegranates. There was a bell in a pomegranate, a bell in a pomegranate, all around the bottom of the robe. It was thus made for the divine service as God had commanded Moshe. They made the tunics for Aaron and his sons by weaving them out of fine linen. They made the linen turban, the fine linen hats, and the linen pants, all out of twined linen. They made the belt embroidered out of twined linen and sky blue, dark red, and crimson wool. It was all done as God had commanded Moshe. They made the headplate as a sacred coronet out of pure gold, written on it in the same manner as a signet rings engraving were the words holy to god they placed a twist of sky blue wool on the head plate so that it could be placed over the turban it was all done as god had commanded moshe all the work on the communion tent ta tabernacle was thus completed the israelites did exactly as god had commanded moshe okay. <clears throat> they brought the tabernacle to moshe there was the communion tent along with its equipment its fastenings, beams, crossbars, pillars, and bases. The roof of the red and ram's hides, the roof of the blue process hides, the cloth partition, the ark of the testimony and its carrying poles, the ark cover, the table and its equipment, the showbread, the pure gold menorah, along with its prescribed lamps, all its utensils and the illuminating oil, the golden altar, the anointing oil, the perfumed incense, the communion tents drape, the copper altar along with its carrying poles and all its equipment, the washstand and its base, the hangings for the enclosure, its poles and bases, the drape for the enclosure's entrance, its tying ropes and stakes, all the equipment used in the communion tent tabernacle service, the packing cloths for the sacred use, the sacred vestments for Aaron the priest, and the vestments that his sons would wear to serve. The Israelites had done all the work exactly in the manner that God had commanded Moshe. When Moshe saw that all the work had, had been done exactly as God had ordered, he blessed all the workers. All right. 
ברוך אתה אדוני, אלוהינו מלך העולם, אשר נתן לנו תורת אמת, והיה עולם נטע בתוהנו. ברוך אתה אדוני, נותן התורה. Give me someone's name. Atsuyaku, can you read? Just English? Yeah? Sure. Just one side. Okay. Got that cool echo going on. All right, let's see. Let me. So. Ya'amod Atsuyaku ben Abraham la Torah. Can you hear me okay? You're the seventh, seventh reading. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. You to read in English. Are you sure? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Uh, do you want me to say the, the first brachot on that or just read in English? Yeah, the blessing, the blessing. Okay. Barukah Tadunai Havarach. Barukah Tadunai Havarach Le'olam Ba'ed. Barukah Baruch Ata Adonai, Avohenu Melech HaOlam, Asher Bachabar Mecho Amin, Veratan Lanu Atoratoru, Baruch Ata Adonai, Baruch Shema, Notan HaTorah, Amen. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the day of the first month, on the first of the month, you shall set up the Mishkan of the Tent of meeting. meeting. There you shall place the Ark of the Testimony, and you shall spread the dividing curtain toward the Ark. You shall bring in the table and set its arrangement. You shall bring in the Memorah and kindle its lamps. You shall place the golden altar for incense before the Ark of the Testimony, and you shall place the screen of the entrance to the Mishkan. You shall place the altar of the burnt offering in front of the entrance of the Mishkan of the Tent of Meeting. You shall place the washstand between the Tent of Meeting and the altar, and there you shall put water. You shall set up the courtyard all around, and you shall put up the screen for the gate to the courtyard. You shall take the anointing oil and anoint the Mishkan and everything within it. You shall sanctify it and all its furnishing. Thus it will become a holy thing. You shall anoint the altar for the burnt offering and all its implements. You shall sanctify the altar. Thus the altar will become a holy of holies. You shall anoint the washstand and its base and sanctify it. And you shall bring... Aharon and his sons near the entrance of the tent of meeting, and you shall bathe them in water. You shall clothe Aharon with the holy garments, and you shall anoint him and sanctify him so that he may serve me as a Kohen. And you shall bring the sons near and clothe them with tunics, and you shall anoint them as you have anointed their father so that they may serve me as Kohanim. 
and this shall be so that their anointment shall remain for them an everlasting kehuna throughout their generations. Thus Moshe did according to all the Lord commanded him, so he did. And it came to pass in the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, that the Mishkan was sent, set up. Moses set up the Mishkan, placed its sockets, put up its planks, put in its bars, and set up its pillars. He spread the tent over the Mishkan, and he placed the cover of the tent over it from above, as the Lord had commanded Moshe. He took and placed the testimony into the ark and put poles upon the ark and placed the ark cover on the ark from above. He brought the ark into the Mishkan and placed the screening dividing curtain so that it formed a protective covering before the ark of testimony as the Lord commanded Moshe. He placed the table in the tent of meeting on the northern side of the Mishkan outside the dividing curtain. He set upon it an arrangement of bread before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moshe. He placed the menorah in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the southern side of the Mishkan. He kindled the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moshe. He placed the golden altar in the tent of meeting in front of the dividing curtain. He made the incense go up in smoke upon it, as the Lord commanded Moshe. He placed the screen for the entrance of the Mishkan, the altar of the burnt offering he placed in front of the entrance of the Mishkan of the Tent of Meeting. He offered up the burnt offering and the meal offering upon it as the Lord had commanded Moshe. He placed the washstand between the Tent of Meeting and the altar where, and there he put water for washing. So Moshe and Aharon and his sons should wash their hands and their feet from it. When they entered the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they would wash as the Lord commanded Moshe. He set up the courtyard all around the Mishkan and the altar, and he put up the screen at the entrance of the courtyard, and Moshe completed the work. And the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the Mishkan. Moshe could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the Mishkan. When the cloud rose up from over the Mishkan, the children of Israel set out in all their journeys. But if the cloud did not rise up, they did not set out until the, the day that it rose. For the cloud of the Lord was upon the Mishkan by day, and there was fire within it at night before the eyes of the entire house of Israel in all their journeys. Amod Mayan ba Abraham la Torah. Up here is, I think it's called. Oh, it's a separate mark here? That's Shabbat Akhodesh. Oh, okay. Oh, so then we should we say Zakazak right now then? Uh, I don't know. Can you pull up the half track portion here? 
chapter 12, Exodus. Yeah, that's that's different, right? So yeah, I think we're, okay, we're going back, right? Okay, let's do chazak, let's do chazak, chazak. We'll do that. But you don't want to do chazak. No. <laughs> let's do it together loud. Three, three times. Ready? Hazak, hazak, beni hazak, 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 beni hazak, 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 beni hazak, 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 Strong and maybe be strengthened. All right. Okay. So now I guess you can do it. Okay. Baruch Baruch Adonai Hamavarach. Baruch Adonai Hamavarach Leolam Vaed. Baruch Adonai Elohim Elam. Hashem Vachabanu Min Kohanim Venatananu Et Torato. Baruch Adonai. Baruch Shemam. Amen. Rosh had Adorashim Rishon Ulachem Lehadoshe Hashanam Dabru Dabru Vikulahem ish selevetavot selabayit. Baruch atarunai Elohim alam shenatananu tratemet vecheolam netabetokinu baruch atarunai. Baruch The Lord spoke to Moshe and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the head of months. To you it shall be the first of the months of the year. Speak to the entire community of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, let each one take a lamb for each parental home, a lamb for each household. But if the household is too small for a lamb, then he is too. Then he and his neighbor, who is nearest to his house, shall take one according to the number of people, each one according to one's ability to eat. Shall you be counted for the lamb? You shall have a perfect male lamb in its first year. You may take it either from the show sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it for inspection until the 14th day of this month and the entire congregation of the community of israel shall slaughter it in the afternoon and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel on the houses in which they will eat it and on this night they shall eat the flesh roasted over the fire and the unleavened cakes with bitter herbs they shall eat it you shall not eat it rare or boiled in water except roasted over the fire its head with its legs and with its innards and you shall not leave over any of it until morning and whatever is left over of it until morning you shall burn it with fire 
and this is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord. I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night, and I will smite every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, upon all, and upon all the gods of Egypt will I wreak judgments, I the Lord. And the blood will be for you a sign upon the houses where you will be. And I will see the blood and skip over you, and there will be no plague to destroy you when I smite the people of the land of Egypt. And this day shall be for you as a memorial, and you shall celebrate it as a festival for the Lord throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it as an everlasting statute. For seven days you shall eat unleavened cakes, but on the preceding day you shall clear away all leaven from your houses. For whomever eats leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And on the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day you shall have a holy convocation. No work may be performed on them, but what is eaten by any soul, that alone may be performed for you. And you shall watch over the unleavened cakes, for on this very day I will, t I have taken your legions out of the land of Egypt, and you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting statute. In the first month of the fourteenth day of the month, in the evening, you shall eat unleavened cakes until the twenty-first day of the month in the evening. For seven days leavening shall not be found in your houses, for whomever eats leavening that soul shall be cut off from the community of Israel, both among the strangers and the native-born of the land. You shall not eat any leavening throughout all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened cakes. Hmm. <laughs> so says the Lord God, in the first month, on the first of the month, you shall take a young bull without blemish, and you shall purify the sanctuary. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering and put it on the doorpost of the house and on the four corners of the ledge of the altar and on the doorpost of the gate of the inner court. And so shall you do in seven days in the month because of mistaken and simple-minded men and expiate the house. In the first on the 14th day of the month, Shall you have the Passover, a festival of seven days, unleavened bread shall be eaten. And the prince shall make on that day for himself and for all the people of Israel a bull for a sin offering. On the seven days of the festival, he shall make a burnt offering to the Lord, seven bulls and seven rams without blemish daily for seven days, and a sin offering, a he goat daily. And a meal offering he shall make an ephah from, for a bull and an ephah for a ram, and for each ephah one hin of oil. In the seventh month, on the 15th day of the month, on the festival, he shall do the same for seven days, a similar sin offering, a similar burnt offering, a similar meal offering, and similar oil. So says the Lord God, the gate of the inner court that faces toward the east shall remain closed six working days. But on the Sabbath, it shall be opened, and on the new moon, it shall be opened. 
and the prince shall enter by way of the vestibule of the gate without. And he shall stand at the doorpost of the gate, and the priest shall offer his burnt offering and his peace offering, and he shall prostrate himself at the threshold of the gate and go out, but the gate shall not be closed until the evening. And the people of the land shall also prostrate themselves at the entrance of that gate on the Sabbaths and on the new moons before the Lord. And the burnt offering with the prince, which the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And as a meal offering, one ephah for the ram and for the lambs, a meal offering as he is able to give, and a hin of oil to an ephah. But on the new moon, a young bull without blemish and six lambs and a ram. Without blemish are they to be. And an ephah for the bull and an ephah to the, for the ram he shall bring as a meal offering. But for the lambs, as much as he can afford, and of oil, a hen to an ephah. And when the prince goes in, he shall go in by the way of the vestibule of the gate. And by the same way shall he go out. But when the people of the land come before the Lord on the times fixed for the meeting, he who enters by way of the north gate to prostrate himself shall go out by way of the south gate. And he that enters by way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate, and he shall not return by way of the gate whereby he came in, but he shall go out by the way which is opposite it. The prince also then enters among them when they go in and when they go out. They, the prince and the people together, go out, and on the festivals and on the times fixed for meeting, the meal offering shall consist of an ephah for a bull and an ephah for a ram, for the lambs a gift which is in accordance with his means, and oil a hint to an ephah. And when the prince brings a free will offering, a burnt offering, or a peace offering as a free will offering to the Lord, one shall then open for him the gate that faces east, and he shall bring his burnt offering and his peace offering as he does on the Sabbath day. And after he has gone out, one shall close the gate. And a lamb of the, of the first year without blemish shall you bring as a burnt offering daily to the Lord. Every morning shall you bring it. And as a meal offering, you shall bring for it every morning a sixth of an ephah and a third of a hin of oil to stir with with the fine flour, a meal offering to the Lord, according to the perpetual ordinance. Thus shall they bring the lamb and the meal offering and the oil every morning, a continual burnt offering. Have compassion upon Zion, for the source of our lives, and deliver the, deliver the dreary hearted speedily in our days. Blessed are you, Hashem, who builds Yushalayim. Cause the shoot of the David to sprout forth and lift up his horn with your salvation. Blessed are you, Hashem, shield of David. Grant us rest, for you are our Father, and rule over us speedily, for you are our King. Blessed are you, Hashem, who sanctifies the Shabbat. All right. Amen. So if Pesach was not on your radar, it definitely is now. <clears throat> right? I mean, just read a whole bunch about it. Um, Wednesday night is the new moon. So this Wednesday evening, it will start. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah. Wednesday night. And, uh, 
So be sure to say your new moon blessings uh, starting Wednesday night, and and it, it could do it for two days, right? Okay. Um, so I just have a short, a little short drosh. So Shabbat Shalom, everybody. <clears throat> now I know that Ezra has been talking about Shabbat because it was been been part of his portion that he has been studying. But um, I, I couldn't pass it up this week because it's very, it was right in there. It's so, it's like so important, right? So, I mean, I guess you can't talk too much about Shabbat, right? I mean, we keep it every week, but it's, it's Shabbat and it's so important, right? So um, this week I read uh, an article and it talked about time, time over space or time above space. So how Hashem... Um, you know, it seems to me like Hashem has put time as as more important than um, a location or a spot or a place on Earth, you know, or a place anywhere in the galaxy. Essentially, that time is more important because once it goes, it goes. You know what I mean? And so, you know, the reason, the way I guess we we kind of get this idea is because you know, Hashem, you know, had, you know, had, a, had us build the tabernacle. He gave us all the instructions to build this tabernacle. And then, and then he said, but, you know, stop any building on Shabbat, you know, just stop it and just keep Shabbat. And um, I think it is, you know, it's, it tells like as much as Hashem wanted to dwell with, with his people, with us in the, in the wilderness, um, in the, in the, in the, you know, in the tabernacle there, he wanted us to dwell with him on Shabbat. So that dwelling with him is, hasn't stopped and it will never stop because the Shabbat will always be there and we will always get to dwell with him, whether or not he gets to, to dwell with us, you know, essentially. I mean, and you know, when the third temple or when, when Mashiach comes again, he will, he will, you know, his Shekinah will be there again. I mean, obviously, Hashem is everywhere, always. He's always dwelling with us. But I'm just, you know, talking about this kind of like this separate instance of his Shekinah, his dwelling, whatever. It's a little different, right? A little bit. There's something special, obviously, right? <laughs> but um, I just, you know, so since we have the Shabbat, you know, it, we can always dwell with Hashem. Every week, we can continue to get closer to him. Um, and it's very important. So. Um, you know, here here are the here are like you know a few things that we do uh, on Shabbat. Um, when we observe Shabbat, um, we obey our Creator and we spend time with Him. Um, the second thing is we rest our minds and our bodies, unless we have to help someone on Shabbat or something. Um, and third is we spend time with our families and friends who also respect Hashem and His Torah and who also like you know. We can, we can talk about Torah and things like that. And the fourth thing is we preserve the Torah and its ways for future generations. By keeping the Shabbat, it's a continual reminder, continual um, observance, and it helps us to also preserve the, the rest of the Torah. Um, it gets shared every week. You know, we continue to share it. And, and the legacy and, and you, know, our, you know, Hashem's, Torah gets passed along. So um, 
So even though, you know, after the Bet Hamikdash got destroyed, um, and even though we were scattered all over the, the earth, you know, all over the place, um, we still, you know, had Shabbat. It started, it started in the Garden of Eden, and it, it will be with us, you know, even after Mashiach comes again, it will, it will be for everything. It's an, a forever thing that we will always have. Um, and, you know, so it's like we already have a piece of that new world, you know, with us every week. So that's my message about Shabbat. So. <laughs> Does Ezra have something? Yeah? In this uh, Porsche and the uh, second Aliyah, there are a couple of things that uh, brings the attention. One is that uh, Shem gave uh, Oleab the, the knowledge, okay, and appoint him to be like the master of all the people that they were going to be working on the Mishkan, okay? And like you said, uh, what can be more important for us than back there for the to stop the building of the Bishkan? Okay, in our time, what will be more important for us than building a Mishkan? You know, what can we do? There's nothing more important than that. So that's why we have to, you know, take his take his day. Starts yesterday and ends tonight. Okay, it's one day. It says you do whatever you have to do on uh, on the six days that I give you. But that day is mine. So that's why we have to respect them. When we don't observe Shabbat, means we don't we don't acknowledge what he is. That's a that's a that's one of the things uh, that we gotta keep in mind. Um, well, the other thing that it comes out was the generosity of the uh, people, okay? And it, it is very important, not only that, because they have a chance to give something to, uh, to Hashem, okay? But people will say, ah, well, they were in the wilderness, you know, they were in the desert. Where did they got all these things from? Well, remember that they took it from the Egyptians, okay? But that's not the thing. The thing is that it is hard for anybody, once you have this on your hand, okay, you have something on your head, and to give it away, it, you already have it like, a, like oh, it's mine. Why should I give you that, you know? So, and so it, is, it is hard for, uh, for us to do that. That's why when it comes to ties, I think you said it, uh, says, what a better party we have. Oh, he gave us 100, 100% and he only wants 10% of what? Oh, for him. And it's not even for him. It's for the widow, the needy, the hungry, you know, all the people that need needs. He has all the money, okay? But then we go, ah, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna do it, you know? And we're hard on doing that, uh, of giving, what it belongs to him, 
that's that's the point. We have to give. They have they have the gold. They have the uh, stones. They have everything. But once they have they have it in, in uh, it is on our possession, then it is uh, we're kind of hard uh, uh, giving it. Even though it was not us, the whole thing. So that's something that we have to uh, think about it. That's why when when we get when we have to give him his share, go from the top. That way it won't hurt. Because people says, yeah, yeah, I have to give uh, the ties. Yeah, I have to give. Let's say I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do numbers because I've seen it, okay? And people have come to me with that. Let's say somebody get a thousand, whatever, dollars, whatever it is, whatever the, the money is. You know that a uh, hundred are his, okay? But then people start spending, spending, okay? Then they spend 200, 300. And then when they got like 400, they say, oh my God, I gotta give a hundred, but I only got 300. So they don't think that it's from a thousand, that is from the four hundred that I get it, that they have to give a hundred. Okay. And that is hard. So that's why take it out of the way, get it from the top, because that's the beginning. Get it from the top, not from the bottom. It's not a uh, I don't know how to say this and English, not least more You know, it's it's his. That's what 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 it belongs, belongs to him. The what? Okay. Um the other thing is the importance of, of teamwork. And uh, this cannot be built by ourselves. Back there, uh, he appointed Oliav and Besalel to do the work, but they were like the masters. They were able to teach the other ones to how to do their work. Okay, and so it's the same here. Uh, here, we have a lot of work to do. And we need hands, we need mind to, to build it. You don't know what, you, all you gotta do is say, Ruben, here I am, how can I help? Okay, that's one of the things that we have to do. No, don't, 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 don't let's not take a passive um, moment, you know, but let's be proactive. Uh, say, how can I help? And if you don't know, it's okay. We all have to learn. We all have to learn. Uh, and it will be hard. Yes, it will be hard until be until it's easy. But um, you know, but uh, uh, take me for for example. You think I will be in charge of a congregation back in Venezuela uh, when I started? No, I never never thought about it. Not. But he was guiding me this way, this way, this way, this way. When I, all of a sudden I said, "What are these people doing behind me?" You know. And, and then he started preparing me more for that. And that's what we have to be. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Ask. And uh, with God's uh, help, you know, we can accomplish a lot, a lot of things. So there's a lot of exciting things in this uh, Astra portion, I think, in my opinion. Um, so it's Shabbat HaChodesh. So um, the Haftar portion is not exactly the same as what it would have been if it weren't Shabbat HaChodesh. And Shabbat HaChodesh is um, the Shabbat of the new moon. And the reason why it's, this Shabbat is called that, there's a lot of 
you know, Shabbats that precede a new moon, but this is the Shabbat that precedes the first new moon that the nation of Israel, um, oh, well, sorry, yes, the nation of Israel, the first month that the nation of Israel observed as a free people, right? The month of Nisan. This is why our calendar um, begins in this month of Nisan. And a lot of times people ask, well, why do we call it Nisan, not Aviv? And the simple answer is that Aviv means spring. So when, you know, you could interpret it this way as when, when Hashem said, in this month of Aviv, he's not saying Aviv is the name of the month. He's saying, in this month of spring, you know, you shall, you shall do these things, okay? Of course, you know, people argue and they say, no, that's not true, but um, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, anyways, um, so Shabbat HaChodesh um, is basically a two-week warning that Passover is coming. And so the Haftarah portion not only matches the Torah portion, because the Torah portion is talking about the inauguration um, or the temple, right? Um, excuse me, not the temple, but the the, the, the tabernacle, the Mishkan. Um, and it was, it, is, it was also um, inaugurated or commenced, the commencement was also in Nisan. Um, I believe it was Nisan, Nisan 1 as well. I looked it up. Let me see if I could find that verse. Exodus chapter, I think it was 20, verse 4. Oh, sorry. I want to be exact. No, 40. 40, verse 2. It goes 40. Exodus chapter 40, verse 2. Yes. It says in this Torah portion, on the, on the day of the first month, on the first of the month, you shall set up the Mishkan of the tent of, of the tent of meeting. So that's the first day of the first month of Nisan, which is going to be this Wednesday night, as Reuben was saying. And so it's tied also to this um, Haftra portion, because this Haftra portion is also talking about the temple and the, the third temple, actually. That will come, and there's going to be a special inauguration for it. It's very, very interesting um, for many reasons. Now, uh, a little bit of background is that um, the book of Ezekiel is very controversial um, in the Talmud, and the early rabbis wanted to take it out of the Jewish canon and hide it and bury it and wanted everyone to forget it. So in the Talmud, Menachot 45a, it says, Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, Hananiah ben Hizkiyahu is to be remembered for good. If not for him, the scroll of Ezekiel would have been banned because its words contradict the words of the Torah. What did Hananiah ben Hizkiyahu do? He took 300 barrels of oil for lamplight to an upper room and remained there studying Ezekiel until he had reconciled every contradiction. We don't have the, the, the writings or the thoughts of Hananiah and his Kiyahu, but in the end, this is the opinion that the sages of the Talmud kept, which is that, that was that the prophet Ezekiel was indeed a kosher prophet, and we can include his writing. But why did the early rabbis, why did our sages say that Ezekiel is problematic and we should throw it away, basically? We should not be reading this, it's, it's not, it should not be part of the canon because it describes 
um, a temp a future temple that has not been built and its plans are different you know from the from the past temple the first temple and it also describes a ceremonial um, sacrificial service that is different from the Torah and could even be seen as contradictory to the Torah. So if the Torah, you know, if we say that the Torah is eternal and forever, why would there be a temple and a completely different sacrificial system than described in the Torah? Um, so one of the one of the one of the issues is it, it talks about the, the prince in Hebrew it's Hanasi. The, the Hanasi will offer all these um, his offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices, and the people will give it their their offerings and sacrifices, their teruma, to Hanasi. And Rashi, who is known for his um, uh, simplistic, uh, obvious uh, insights um, to the Torah in his commentaries, he goes against his um, um, his his normal mode of um, of operating. And he he goes and does mental gymnastics to explain and try and try to fit uh, Ezekiel to, uh, to to the Torah to harmonize it. And he says that Hanasi is the high priest. Now Hanasi can be tra translated in many different ways. You can call it president. You can translate uh, Hanasi as president. It's just someone that presides. You know, someone that presides over the people, and it could be a prince as well. But Rashi says it, it refers to the high priest because it makes sense that the high priest would be offering sacrifices on behalf of the people. That makes sense, right? And then he would be giving out the truma to different people. The problem with Rashi's explanation is most, the majority of sages disagree with Rashi and says that is not the high priest that Ezekiel's talking about. And the reason is because, um, is because Ezekiel himself says that Hanasi is my servant David. And so this title, my servant David, this is known by you know, the majority of Judaism as the Messiah, my servant David, the Messiah, the servant. And so he is the one that is collecting offerings to Ruma, sacrificing them and then giving it to the people. So this is, that presents another problem, um, which is, you know, the, the, the son of David, the Mashiach, is supposed to be of the tribe of Judah, but only the, the, the Kohanim, um, the sons of Aaron, were supposed to offer sacrifices in the temple. It's forbidden for any other tribe to offer sacrifices. So then there's another problem. So it's very understandable why a lot of sages did not even want Ezekiel in the canon at all whatsoever. But Okay, I think for us as Messianic believers, I think it's very perfect for us because we see Yeshua as the son of David, but we also see him as a high priest of sorts, right? Um, like the order of Melchizedek. I don't, I don't believe he is of the order of Melchizedek, but I think he's like the order of Melchizedek um, because in the Torah, you know, when Melchizedek appears on the scene, he comes out of nowhere. You know, he has no lineage, he has no tribe really, that is really explained in the Torah and, and he appears. And when Messiah appears and he says that he's, you know, uh, he's the son of David, 
and that he is Mashiach. Well, one of the pro we believe that Mashiach will be anointed, right? He'll be anointed king of Israel. There's a problem, though, that because in the Torah, kings of Israel were not um, anointed unless, or this could be Jewish law, not necessarily Torah, but in Jewish law, the king, the son of a king was not anointed because he was already known as the son of a king who had rightful, um, who was a rightful heir to, to the throne. The only time when a king needs to be anointed is when his, his, um, his kingship is questioned. Exactly, his kingship is questioned. So when Mashiach comes, we will have not had a king in Israel for how many thousands of years? Of course, there will be controversy um, at first. So he must be anointed. Um, anyways, but then there also arises a question, at least especially for anyone who's still coming from a Christian background. You know, we're saying that, you know, as Jews, we believe in a third temple that's going to be built. And we believe in the, in the, in the reinstitution of a sacrificial system, because that's what Ezekiel prophesies. The Bible says so. Christians will write that off by saying, oh, well, that was something that was conditional and it's not going to come to pass anymore. I believe that's against the Torah principle because, because the, you know, God says in his word that his word shall not return to him void. He's not going to give a prophecy that he retracts and says, oh, never mind, never mind. Oh, I take it back. I'm going to do something else instead. Let's throw away Ezekiel after all. You know, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, I believe is the, the prophet Ezekiel's words will come true. But we also have to remember that even in Judaism, it's not just in the book of Hebrews that says this, but even in Judaism, it's taught that the earthly temple is only a representation of the heavenly temple. It's only a copy, a shadow of something that is higher and deeper going on in the heavenly realms. And so Mashiach or Yeshua, we, who we believe is Mashiach. I know there are some people that don't believe that Yeshua is Mashiach that, you know, that, that follow us and, and listen and attend our services. And that's fine. Um, however, uh, I, one of the reasons why I cannot let Yeshua go is because I don't see a better explanation or a better um, um, fulfillment of these ideas, these Jewish, very Jewish ideas of this heavenly temple and what's supposed to be going on than the work of Yeshua. The, the sacrificial system as deep and meaningful as it is without Yeshua is so much more meaningful and deep and also connects to the heavenly temple that Jews have, have taught about for even before, before Yeshua's time. Um, it, it's just, I don't see anything. Um, it's like hard to not, to not, I feel like it's like a, the, the, the elephant in the room to say that Yeshua is not significant and that Yeshua has no connection to the temple, but his work does not negate the temple sacrifices. His work, his 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 sacrifice and his work is, I would say, complementary. Or and, and it's also it also ties back to um, Nisan um, one when the where the sages say that that was also um, the date of Yitzhak's sacrifice. So the inauguration of the temple is tied to the near sacrifice of Isaac. 
So they don't, how, how do they, how do they come together? They come together and I think a, a perfect unity when you include Yeshua in the picture, who is reflective of both the Akedah, the, the sacrifice of Abraham's only, not only son, but unique son, special son, as well as the temple, which also offer the sacrifices. Um, okay, so um, let me see what else there was. Okay, here's another one. In Jeremiah chapter 16, verse 14 to 15, it says that, um, it says that, therefore, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be said, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to their own land, which I gave to their fathers. So when do we say this line right here? Where, where, when do we say, when do we say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt? The major time that we say this as a people is during Passover, right? The whole Passover is about the celebration of the time when Hashem brought our nation out of Egypt. But, in, but the prophet Jeremiah says there's going to be a time where we're not going to say that anymore, where that's not going to be the main thing that defines us as a nation, the coming out of Egypt. But instead, the main defining thing that, defi that defines who we are and our connection to our God is when we say, as the Lord lives, who brought up the sons of Israel from the land of the north and from all the countries where he had banished them. Because, and the reason why this is significant is because in Ezekiel, it says to keep the Passover, it, it, it reiterates to keep the Passover. And so the question is, you know, some ask, why does it have to repeat? We, we should keep the Passover. And the reason is because, you know, that whole, there's a, there's a whole, there's a lot of sacrifices that are going to be different in the Passover. Um, and also the, the, the remembrance of the Passover will be for a different reason. Not that we're going to forget that he took us out of Egypt, but there's going to be something even greater. And so here, uh, here are some examples of the differences between the, the sacrifices and offerings um, in the Torah, in Numbers chapter 19 of Passover versus Ezekiel 45, 22. In the Torah, it says that you shall sacrifice a bull daily, two bulls daily, and that two bulls daily for the seven days of Passover, that's a total of 14 bulls. Whereas in Ezekiel, it says that you shall sacrifice seven bulls daily for a total of um, 49 for the whole Passover week. Um, same thing with a ram. Uh, there is one ram sacrificed daily in according to Torah for a total of seven. But in Ezekiel, there's a total of seven rams daily for a total of 49. And in also, very interestingly here, in, in Numbers uh, chapter, 20, chapter 28, it says that there will be seven lambs offered uh, daily for a total of 49. But in Ezekiel's in Ezekiel's um, Passover sacrifices, there are no lambs. There's no lambs. So to me, I think, why, why should there be no lambs? Yeshua, right? <laughs> it's a lamb sacrificed before the foundation of the world. Um, also, very interestingly, um, there's there's a there's a part of the um, inaugur um, the inauguration of the third temple where there's um, blood sprinkled on the doorpost of of the temple. 
that's not done for the tabernacle or even the first temple. But what does that draw us back to? It draws us back to, draws us back to Egypt and the very first Passover. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I just, I think it's very interesting, very exciting um, to think about uh, the, the, the third temple um, and the Passover days to come, which I believe, you know, could also be related to when Yeshua said, you know, he said, I will not drink this, uh, this um, cup of the Passover until I drink it new with you um, in my kingdom as believers in Yeshua. And also Jews around the world believe that Mashiach will be inaugurated or not, not crowned, crowned, um, crowned on, um, on uh, Rosh Hashanah, right? On uh, Yom Teruah, Rosh Hashanah. But um, in terms of his, his duties in the temple, that is described in Ezekiel and that will begin in Passover. So this is a very special time also for, for, um, um, for, for Mashiach. That's cool. I haven't heard of any of that before. I didn't even know we had a problem with Ezekiel. <laughs> so it's good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So we'll continue service. Or did Saka have something to share? I did have something real quick. Um, it's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I want to address, usually sometimes it's something I see online or something to address. I, I have a lot of uh, Christian friends on uh, Facebook, uh, Hebrew Roots uh, people. And a lot of times, uh, even if they're, they're well-meaning and they want to take some from the Torah, it's usually slanted from a place um, that that Hashem or the God, where they say that they say they certain people say they, they worship the same God as this. But they they what they mean is, is um, his representative is usually what they mean, because when they speak when they speak. Uh, and I'm not speaking of everybody, but um, when they speak of Hashem, the God of the Jews, uh, they say it's, this is a mean and callous. And uh, in this particular Torah portion, it talks about blemishes. It talks about um, the animals being blemished. It talks about the priests being blemished. And uh, in the in the Talmud, it kind of gives an indication of what blemishes are. Blemishes are uh, anything that's different. Sickness, uh, a limp. Uh, the priest would have to go out and say, "Oh, that person has a misshapen head, or his nose isn't doesn't look right," and he can say, "Go back home. You're 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 exempt from the temple service." Uh, what's interesting about this, talking about all the blemishes, especially in people. Now, the reason why I mention this is, is they say they point at the Torah and they see, see that this is exclusionary uh, people with disabilities or people that are sick or people that um have a lifetime ailment they're they're excluded they're, you know they're they're they can't serve a shim and that's not that's not a point at all uh in the in the talmud numbers rabba uh 
Rabba's Naso 7.1, it says the majority of us that came out of Egypt were disabled. They said there was, it was very uh, few people that did the actual work in the pit to not have a finger missing, which would have been completely uh, removed that person from service to Hashem. And so the majority of people had uh, fingers or arms or uh, hands missing, and a vast majority of people were also blind. So when the Torah came down that there had to be people that were uh, completely pure. This is this is a this is like talking to like saying you've got to have somebody from Mars, you know, having the having the uh, the temple. So it was a it was a it was a reaffirmation that your children are going to be pure. Your children are going to be. This is something to look forward to. And uh, there's also another thing that I want to address is that um, sickness uh, in, uh, and these things that remove us from uh, from service uh, imperfections. Uh, there's the sages say that either it came through sin. Uh, either for us or one of our rel- one of our relatives, one of our dis- our uh, people way back, but we're getting the effects. Uh, it could be a way for us to redeem those around us, our generation, if if Hashem so chooses. I think that's one of the reasons why you know Hashem sent Mashiach to redeem our generation. He put all the afflictions on Him. Um, also, there's a there's an idea that uh, when Hashem blesses us, and it is a blessing uh, with aff- affirmity, that He sent. Now, this is midrash, okay, but He gives uh, an angel to that person, and that person has a special status. So it would make sense that, that if this person has a special status, they're they're too kadosh, they're they're too holy to even minister on behalf of the people. Uh, so the reason why he puts an angel with them is so that so that he can record what people do to that person, you know. So Hashem is merciful. I do want to address that. Hashem is merciful, and he's not exclusionary. He was it was a point of pointing to a time where we would have no sin, where we would have no buddy born or go through pain. Uh, to a mass extent, we should all uh, yearn for that day when Hashem uh, makes everything right, and we look forward to that. Baruch Hashem.